Let's see. We attach this right here. And this right here. Now hold still. You may feel a short icy sensation. Oh, and how is this going to help my head cold? By removing the problem. Forgive me, Herr Doctor, but it looks like you're about to remove my head. And? And I think I need my head. It may hurt and be stuffed up with mucus, but I would rather have it attached like that than not at all. Oh. Pity. Removing your head would have been a good metaphor for tonight's cheesy film. A headless film? I will explain in a moment. Meanwhile, you had better let the guests in so we can start. Yes, Herr Doctor. Welcome, masochistic minions of the mediocre. I am Victor, your humble host. It pleases me that you wish to observe my latest creation. It's over here. But I must warn you, the cheese is still very, very hot. Its body is not normal. Its mind is not governed by the same sense of logic that you or I may be accustomed to. In other words, it's bad is better. It's cheap is chic. And more often than not, its plot is pointless. But its heart is in the right place, mostly. And I assure you, it is not dangerous. In fact, I considered watching it to be a guilty pleasure. <laughs> Come, it is just behind this curtain. Are you ready? Make sure to adjust your audio goggles, because the latest Son of Schluck Audio Theater is on the air! Welcome, my honored guests. Tonight's film is a classic by omission, a proof that what does not kill you will certainly make you stronger. It is essentially one of the most misunderstood love stories of 1980. Popeye with Robin Williams? Close. Empire Strikes Back? Wrong direction. The Blue Lagoon? That came out in 1980? Yes, Herr Doctor. Oh. Well, then I must mean the second most misunderstood love story of 1980. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Virus, the post-apocalyptic sci-fi movie where humankind witnesses the three-way sucker punch of... One? A killer pandemic from a genetically engineered supervirus. Two? Complete nuclear annihilation. And, um... Three? A half dozen famous international actors cast and directed by a woefully under-budget Japanese-speaking film crew. Oh, the humanity. You could say that. So, did they try to kill the deadly disease with nuclear bombs? Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Believe me, you do not want to deprive yourself of the pleasure of cheesy revelation. So, ladies and gentlemen, prepare to be injected, inoculated, and atomized by Kinji Fukasaku. Virus! Don't forget to sneeze into your sleeve, Bigor. And roll it! <laughs> the Step Alien Love Child Son of Schlock Audio Theater presents Kinji Fukasaku's Virus. This movie wastes no time hinting at a bleak future. 
First we see an enormous hot oversized sun. Then we see a man not unlike Bigor in appearance approach. Oh. We see him walking. Walking. Oh. He's weak. His clothes are shredded to rags. He may very well be the last survivor on planet Earth. It's... Okay, now stop this movie for a second. Yes? At this point, it's only fair to warn you, the original version of Iris was actually a very unsuitable film. Unsuitable? Well, in terms of a schlocky picture, it barely reached the criteria of cheese food. You mean it was good? Let's just say it wasn't bad. You see, the charm of the movie we are about to see is due to its being cut to ribbons for the sake of an international audience. Oh, what was cut out? Fluff, like... Who the main character really is, what his motivations are, how he lost his love. A tear-jerking scene where she finds herself the doomed last survivor in Tokyo. How he found a new love, then lost her and struggled barefoot, walking over two radiated post-apocalyptic continents in four years to find her again, leaving the Swiss-cheesed masterpiece before us. Bigor, continue rolling! Yes, Herr Doctor. And now, for something completely different. We are whisked from this strange non-sequitur, which is actually part of the ending of the original film, and a prophetic view of a future we will never see, to a bacteriological research institute in the frozen wastelands of Leipzig, East Germany. It is night, and it's snowing. We see Dr. Krauss smuggling a coffee thermos filled with a secret. After stopping at a checkpoint, he drives on to a deserted building. He gets out of his car and walks inside. Hello, Dr. Krauss. Have you got the stuff? It's not stuff here, Mercer. It's a carefully hidden virus. Ah, I see you use the old false bottom of the thermos trick. Yeah. Now, you must promise to deliver the contents to Dr. Liesenauer at the Viral Institute at Zurich. Yes, sure, whatever. Transport it exactly as it is. Under no circumstances, take it out of the dry ice packing or let it run out. So what's the big deal? It is... M M eighty eight. M M eighty eight. What kind of germ is called M M eighty eight? A germ that is. Hold it. M M eighty eight. There, go on. It is a germ that is more than a germ. It is a weapon. It is an accident. It is a Frankenstein monster masquerading as a virus. <laughs> you excuse me. Oh. You have a cold? It is nothing. It most certainly isn't. Yes, use a Kleenex or a sleeve for crying out loud. Actually, if I were to open this ampule to the air, he would be dead within three days. You see, this virus is a mimic. It latches onto any pathogen and makes it stronger and deadlier. That little cold you have would mean death. Death to everyone. That is, unless a way is found to neutralize this monster, we are left with a doomsday <laughs> weapon. You've done well. In five days, a bank account will be opened in your name in Brazil. Fifty thousand pounds will be deposited to that account. You think I did this for money? Uh, doesn't everyone? I want you to get this virus to Dr. Lisa now. Nothing more. It's a pity, because I had something more for you. What? Okay, boys. Does this mean I won't get my money? Uh... 
were certain Professor Krauss was hit, Schmidt? Hit some mouse, Krauss? Just as well, I suppose. He would not have been happy if he found out we were not representing the good Dr. Liesenauer, after all. What, what was that? I think it was the plane shaking violently. No, I, I meant what was causing it. We gotta go higher. Too, too much turbulence. No! We'll be picked up by radar. Keep hugging the cliffs. But the, but the cliffs are made of rock. If I hug them, we'll probably crash faster. Do what I say. Okay. Oops! As the muscle plane string is cut, it crashes into a mountain made of high explosives. The deadly thermos flies through the air in a beautiful slow-motion shot until it hits the only rock on a snowy slope. What was that? That was the star of the film, MM-88. As this scene fades out, we zoom a half a world away to the University of Maryland Institute for Biological Research. Inside the lab, we see Dr. Meyer. Dr. Meyer was typing something out. When he heard the door, he quickly hides the paper. Come in. How are you, Ed? You busy? No, Colonel Rankin. Uh, did you get it back? A scientist named Krauss was making discreet inquiries to the Swiss that sounded something like MM88. I sent in some of my people posing as Swiss, but they never came out. Well, send in some more, damn it. It's really important to find out who stole that virus. My only link was Krauss. The East Germans are saying he committed suicide, so MM88 is still out there, and you don't know where. How would I know where it was? No, I was just restating that fact for dramatic emphasis. And to remind you that it's imperative that you develop a vaccine for it immediately. Colonel, there's not a vaccine in the world that can stop it. There's not likely going to be one either. Look at these generic slides of bacteria and infections. Oh, that looks like a Pink Floyd cover. With one big difference. A Pink Floyd cover will not kill you if you breathe it in. Good point. At minus 10 degrees centigrade and colder, the virus is dormant. But raise the temperature above that and it reproduces like cockroaches crossed with mice. See? Oh, I see what you mean. Well, now that it's missing, you must develop a vaccine. Why? Nobody would dare release it unless... Unless you idiots want to make a weapon out of it. Weapon? <laughs> Why would the military want a deadly weapon? <laughs> We're all about President Richardson's new peace initiative. And living in harmony, stuff like that. You can't fool me. You are developing a weapon system based on MM88, aren't you? <sighs> well, okay, yes we are. See, all of our nuclear weapons are useless since development of the new Ars network. Ars? ARS, Automatic Reaction System. If either side is foolish enough to launch a missile, all of the other side's missiles are immediately launched, and poof, that's the end. Okay, so then nobody uses nukes and we all get along. No! It means we're at square one. And that's where MM-88 comes in. If you make a vaccine, we release it, and then we win. Oh, brother... Not again. Why can't you people ever leave it be? Are the Russians gonna leave it be? Hello, Colonel. Uh, hey, Dr. Meyer, what's uh, up? Excuse me, Director. I am so out of here. What's with him? He's a sissy that doesn't like winning against the Russians. Say, well, what's this paper he was typing? Uh-oh, we've got trouble. Ah, he's figured it out. Take a look. My gosh, 
He's going to blow the whistle to Senator Barkley's Defense Oversight Committee about MM88. What do you propose to do? I think you should send him over to Letterman this afternoon. Letterman? But on TV he could tell everyone... Not Letterman, the creepy talk show host. Letterman, our psychiatrist. We need him diagnosed as insane and thrown in an asylum for a oh, while. right. That's a much better idea. <laughs> then the film shows us some riders on the Cossack plains of the Soviet Union. After riding for a few minutes, they discover bunches of dead sheep to a shocking underscore. My sheep! <laughs> a truly touching scene. And when we skip to lots of gratuitous stock footage of 1960s and 70s crowds demonstrating... <laughs> some are quite graphic of real people set on fire. After more civil unrest than you can shake a movie at, we hear the generic newsreader that punctuates most Japanese disaster films. Hi, typical serious newsreader here for the OMG WTF network. Panic has spread worldwide. Reports of staggering death tolls are rolling in from all parts of the globe. A world struck with panic has gone berserk, or is it the other way around? In any case, martial law is the order of the day. Disruptions of communications and shipping has left much of the world isolated in fear. Gamera has eaten downtown Tokyo. Mothra is flying toward That's enough. Harrison, what vaccine does Godzilla have, and how long will it take to manufacture it in quantity? Mr. President, we have not even been able to isolate the cause. The virus, if it is a virus, is like the common cold. It is everywhere. It is nowhere. Now, that's way too zen for me. It's what the script says, sir. I'd like to say at this point, Mr. President, that HHS might have been in a better position if its budget had not been slashed. Damn it, Senator. I don't have to hear that from you. Mr. Harrison, do you mean there is no vaccine? Well, then what did we give the crews, the police, fire department, and me? What, what did I get? Uh, I think we got it from a company called Place Bo Pills. You gave me a placebo? Um, actually, I think it was a sweet tart. Mr. President, my apologies for being late. General Garland, you have the latest intelligence? Yes, you, uh, you see these plans? Yes. I think it's obvious who started it. Well, how can one group be responsible if everyone is getting sick? Even though some of our information's quite sketchy, the sketch still looks like this. An amoeba? Uh, sorry, it's upside down. Hey, that looks like a sketch of Russia. See, Mr. President, she's not a sissy. Why can't you admit it? General, do you have any hard evidence to support this theory? Yeah, we're working on it. In the meantime, Mr. President, as chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, I must request that we go into a, a stage one alert, including the activation of the ARS network. I think we have more than enough ARSs out there. You know I meant the ARS. Center. The alert reaction system is aimed at the Soviet Union and no one else. It leaves us no flexibility at And all. just how flexible are we going to be when the Soviet missiles are incoming, huh? The only thing that's incoming are the germs, General. Yes, one moment, please. Mr. President, the Kremlin. Well, this is President Richardson. What? Yes. Uh, yes, I, I understand. Well, the message was brief enough. Their chief of state died this morning of the Italian flu. As far as we know. Five-star fool. Sissy. Arse. Too bad we must leave this gripping name-calling session to witness a world spiraling out of control through cheesy generic stock footage people in Milan, Italy. 
Now let's visit Tokyo. That's enough. Let's go back to the White House where we see the president, General Garland and Senator Barkley, presumably sometime later. Well, here we sit, gentlemen, leaders of the most powerful <laughs> and advanced nation on the face of the earth. Here we sit. Damn it, there must be something we can do about it. Something. Mr. President, mm -hmm. has the plague been identified yet? Senator, we don't know whether we're dealing with one plague germ or six. We don't even know where it came from or how it's being transmitted. Well, maybe we've been looking in the wrong direction. We've looked in every direction, Senator. Okay. General Garland, why don't you tell us something about Operation Phoenix? Uh, it's nothing. What is Operation Phoenix? Uh, just, a, uh, just a paper study. Oh, that's not what I heard. Well, it's... It's one of several options being studied in purely theoretical terms, Mr. President. Nothing more. Maybe a little bit more. But what are we talking about? I mean, seriously, someone better cut to the chase, because I don't think we have much time left. Operation Phoenix was a top-secret military study of a new weapon system. And there are many such studies. It goes with the job. Now, new weapons, new studies, new alternatives. A biological weapon uh, system. Papers made of biological material. We studied... It was an active research project involving the genetic manipulation of existing pathogenic viruses. It was theoretical, on paper. New strains were not just studied. They were created in a laboratory. A paper laboratory! Under completely controlled paper conditions. I assure you, Mr. President. One strain, MM88, was stolen and never recovered. And the President was never told about it. Now I'd like to know why. <clears throat> Excuse me, I need to call Colonel Rankin in here. Colonel Rankin, get in here this minute. Yes, General. Uh, Colonel Rankin, Operation Phoenix was your baby. MM-88, was such a strain developed? Yes, sir. Was any of it stolen? No, sir, but it wouldn't have made any difference because it was benign. You lie. That's your opinion. Now, Senator, I demand to know the source of his horrible slander. He's right outside that door. Come in, Dr. Meyer. Sir, this man is a paranoid schizophrenic. I can vouch for that. Takes one to know one. Mr. President, they had Dr. Meyer put away because he was going to pass information from Operation Phoenix to my subcommittee. <clears throat> uh, tell me something. Is this Italian flu actually MM88? I'm sure of it, sir. Now, now sir, I fully support you in this last-ditch, namby-pamby effort. But I must stress the importance of a strong military posture at this moment. Again, I want to urge a stage one alert, including the ARS activation. General, get your arse out of my sight. Uh, Mr. President! I said out of my sight. <sighs> Gentlemen, we will place the lid of complete secrecy on this situation. Now, what do you need? Excuse me. Yes. Yes. I understand. My, uh, my wife has come down with a cold. What do you need, Doctor? What do you need? Guess what? You got it! It's time for more stock footage! This time we're back to Japan! And then we're back to the White House! This time it seems like the sun is dramatically and metaphorically setting through the windows.
You know, Senator, I never noticed the sunset through my office windows before. Well, there are two reasons for that. First, the windows face south, with trees to the right. And second, it's not a sunset. It's the glow from a bonfire the Secret Service is using to dispose of all the White House staff and press corps corpses. Ah, so this is the first and last thing that looks like a sunset we'll ever see. Well, if only we had a little more time. Hmm. Those were Dr. Meyer's last words. How an entire civilization sputtered out with those words. As our speechwriters were so fond of saying about our history, those who can't remember the past <coughs> are condemned to repeat it. I'm not sure how that fits here, especially since it looks like there won't be any more people left to learn or repeat anything. Unless it snows. That would at least buy us more time. The virus slows at really cold temperatures. Like Antarctica? Palmer Station. Don't forget the country code. I think it's IC. Uh, right, 4-2. Come on, there must be someone there. Palmer Station, this is the President of the United States. Let me speak to your CO. One moment, please. It's the President. This is Admiral Conway here, Mr. President. Admiral Conway, has the sickness hit your station yet? No, sir. There are no signs of any illness here or at the other stations. How bad is it, Mr. President? Patch me through to the other Antarctic bases. All of them, sir? All of them. Right away, Mr. President. You heard him, Timmy. <laughs> Done. <clears throat> It is with great regret and personal sorrow, as well as the position of the government of the United States, that I confirm what most of you already know. We're screwed. Apparently, there's no cure for the virus, and only cold temperatures below 5 degrees centigrade can stop it. That's why you folks in Antarctica are safe. Do not leave your sanctuary. Do not allow those from the outside to enter. Under no conditions, try to return. I offer you no solutions, no hope, other than somehow you may prevail. This time, try to work it out together, please, please, and may God bless you all. <coughs> They've been snowed in all this time. You and a research crew could be flown down. You'd be safe there. We'll make it, God willing. Not we, Mr. President. <coughs> you... You represent the nation. <coughs> the government must continue. <coughs> well, between death and taxes, I guess death is the only thing we can really be sure of. <sighs> you were my opponent in every political battle, but you were never, you were never my enemy. Such touching scenes, such raw tragedy, and most everyone we met so far is dead, or soon will be. Rather than meet anyone new, let's look at a bunch of cities around the world and put up the scores. Bigor! Um, let's see. New York, virus, 7.4 million. Humans, zero. London virus, 6.9 million. 
humans, zero. Paris, virus, 2.3 million, humans, zero. Rome, virus, 2.9 million, humans, zero. Moscow, virus, 7.9 million, humans, zero. And finally, Tokyo, virus, 10 million, humans, zero. Thank you, Bigor. Quite a blowout. And now let's go back to the president for his last breath. <coughs> Mr. President, I formally request that you, under the authority given you by Congress and by the Constitution of the United States of America, meet in your responsibility to defend this great land against all enemies, internal and external. Stop being a big dead sissy and give the order to put our surviving retaliatory forces on full alert. Stage one, including the activation of the arse. In this version of the film, the president is already dead. So instead of waiting for the president to call him a name and die, he salutes and takes an elevator down to the White House's secret basement four layers under the Washington swamp, where bunches of computers named Ars are waiting to be activated by the general. And then we see stock footage on five tiny television screens showing missile silos getting primed and ready for launch. Now that the fuse has been lit, we zoom down to Antarctica. We see two Japanese scientists whose vehicle has broken down on their way to Palmer Station and they're skiing to the nearest place for help. As they walk up to the Norwegian station, all the lights are on but nobody seems to be home. Hello? Is there anyone in there? Hello? Break it down, Dr. Nakanishi. Who are you? Remember, I'm Yoshizumi. Oh. I'm a seismologist. In the original cut of this film, I was the main character. Who? Yoshizumi. Most of the plot has hinged on all the things I've done so far. But nobody really knows that. So thank you for asking. No, no problem. Yoshizumi, was it? Uh, that's right. Good. Now stand back while I break down this door. One, two, three. My goodness, they're all dead. Mm. Look like gunshot. Let's look for survivors. Look, over there. That knob. That doorknob has moved. Now the door is opening. Oh, and there's a beautiful woman who I think I recognize. Yes. She looks like the girl from Romeo and Juliet. Please, young lady, tell us what's happening here. Oh. Oh, <laughs> she's no fun. She fell right over. Come, let's take her to a warm bed and get this room back to proper temperature. Then we will clean up all the dead bodies so she will no longer be creeped out. After that, we can ask her what happened. Well, just in case, let's hide the gun. Good idea. I am Dr. Nakinishi, and this is Yasisumi. I am married. What happened here, married? They were just sitting there, not talking. The radio man shot himself. Then everyone went mad. My husband pulled out a gun and pointed at me. I ran. Oh, naturally. But he just came after me. 
I closed and locked the door and he just kept banging. Then someone shot him. Oh, oh she fainted again. Maybe because she's pregnant. Yes, could be why. You go on to the meeting at Palmer Station. I will take care of her. Thank you, Yoshishumi. We are most certainly all that is left. The sole survivors. 855 men and 8 women. We have supplies to last us for two years at present levels of consumption, but we must work together pooling our scientific knowledge so that we can survive until the virus dies out, and that is the purpose of this meeting, to devise a plan to enable us to deal with this situation. Ah, we don't have to stay here, Admiral Conway. What about the icebreaker, huh? We could go back if we so elected. To what purpose go back, Dr. Tarovish? To what purpose stay Admiral Conway? Hmm? There are some who may choose to go back and make the best of it. There is no best of it to make, Dr. Tarot. I do not have to listen to you anymore, Broad enough. You have no Russian tanks here. Gentlemen, we must not allow this to degenerate to personal levels. We must establish our priorities. Admiral Conway, representative of the Soviet Union. Why are you guys in charge? You're the ones who screwed everything up. Not now, Lopez. Exactly what I would expect from Argentina. Meh. 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 It's Major Corda. If you people want to hurt each other, I suggest you use this gun. It's a lot more effective. You Americans have a certain directness. As though we needed another method of killing ourselves. Admiral. Sorry, sir. We just picked up a submarine distress signal. They're on their way here. They wish permission to disembark. Palmer Station? No, sir. The Soviet station. We intercepted their message. It's the Soviet sub T-232. They are requesting emergency assistance, sir. Dr. Borodinov, will you join me in the radio room? Certainly. Ensign Smirnov, this is Admiral Conway, Chairman of the Federal Council of Antarctica. We understand that some of your men are injured. No injuries, Admiral. We have illness. <coughs> My men need provisions and medical attention. What is the nature of the illness? Italian flu. In that case, it is my duty to inform you with great reluctance that the Federal Council of Antarctica refuses you permission to land. What are you telling me? Ensign Smirnov, this is Dr. Borodinov, commander of the Soviet Antarctic Wintering Team. Ensign Smirnov, doctor, requesting permission to land. Smirnov, it is not possible that you should land. You would infect us all. You must understand. Dr. Borodinov, my men must leave this boat. We need the rest. We need medical attention. Can you hear me, doctor? Can, can you hear me? We will land! You will not jolly well land, old man. Who is this speaking? I dare say it is Her Majesty's nuclear attack submarine near it. Captain McLeod at your service. Pip, pip, tally-ho, and all that. You do not sound like British sub-captain. You sound like the rifleman. And I, I think his name was McLeod, too. I am dressed like an English sub-captain. 
I am on an English sub, and that should be good enough for you, old man. Fancy a game of cricket or bangers and mash? We'll bloody well give you a rowdying, I dare say. Okay, you know what? I have responsibility to my men, and we're going to disembark anyway. What do you think about them potatoes? Steady on, old chap. I really well should say you have a higher responsibility. That English clown don't scare me. We're landing. The ruddy, bare-faced cheek. Captain McLeod, what is your position? Sufficiently close to the old blighter, I dare say. Eh, what? Then, Captain, do what you have to do. By Jove, chaps, the game's afoot. Fire number four, torpedo tube. Fire number four. Number four. Captain McLeod, we owe you our thanks. How long have you been on station? Since February, I dare say. Captain, I want you to answer this next question very carefully. Are you or any of your men infected? I should jolly well say not. No, sir. Captain McLeod, would you care to come aboard, sir? What a smashing idea. Yes, sir, I believe we jolly well would. Hip, hip, and all that. Good. We look forward to it. Admiral Conway, the Norwegian survivor has just given birth to a baby girl. Did you just say a baby was born? Yes. Well, unfortunate being born into this situation. There was still a world out there. I'd be a father by now. Has she chosen a name for the child? Gree. Gree. I like the sound. It rhymes with glee. Or free. Or wee! Gree in Norwegian is a word meaning first light of the sun. The dawn of a new day. Yes? Here's a message. A message? From whom? From the Federal Council of Antarctica. I've never heard of them. Neither did anyone else before today. We are here. We must have a government. One of their first official actions was to make a baby tax. What? Just kidding. They issued a proclamation welcoming Greed to the New World. And they wish her every happiness. Every happiness. Also, the council wants to know if they can serve as corrective godfather. How nice of them. Of course, eight women, not counting the little baby, on a small Antarctic island with 855 men is not without its challenges. And the council is convened to address a certain problem. The fact is, Sylvia was attacked, and it cannot be allowed to happen again. My dear, I'm sure no one wants to minimize the seriousness of what happened, but I will try. Uh, think of it as uh, human nature. Given our unbelievable circumstances, uh, in other words, 
Quit your whining and deal with it. You don't hear any of the attacked men complaining? Some men were attacked? Yes, uh, bound to be. But nobody said anything, right? Oh, right. Dr. Latour, if this council cannot take care of eight women, then gentlemen, this whole thing is just a joke. Of course there's truth in what you say. We must protect our women. But we also need to face the fact that we need a completely new attitude towards human sexuality. In a community of 855 men and 8 women, conventional one-to-one relationships between men and women (laughs) will not be possible. You mean more than one man for each woman? Actually, it's more than 100. Math isn't that hard. (laughs) That's insane! It's no picnic for us either. I'm not sure if you've looked into a mirror lately, but with the exception of merit, the women who sign up to be Arctic researchers are not, uh, as you say, Boderico Farafossit. <laughs> the bottom line, gentlemen, is we must address the needs of men, the survival of the human race, and treat our women accordingly, as our most valuable natural resource. <sighs> Unless we can, there is no future. do they know there's not much future in this cut of the movie. But I get ahead of myself. In a shining example of how the international version pulls scenes from all over the place to make sense out of senselessly cutting out scenes, the submarine Nereid is narrated around the world to collect air samples, is put in contact with the Japanese wintering team with scenes of drama that could only happen during the height of the pandemic and mixed with scenes of a dead and desolate Tokyo complete with gruesome skeletons everywhere. After all that, we cut back to Dr. Latour and Captain McLeod on board the HMS Nereid. Monsieur Captain, the analysis of the air sample of the outside air is complete. Results, old bean? Positive. The virus is still quite active. Retrieve the drone! Eject the air sample! Pip-pip and all that! Captain, I beg of you, do not eject the sample. That's impossible, Dr. Latour. You want us to keep that ruddy old nasty thing with us? I beg of you, reconsider, Captain. You're only thinking of the short-term risk. Captain, this submarine, it is powered by a nuclear reactor? There is no danger to us from the radioactivity of the core? Of course not, old man. We're jolly well completely shielded from the... Well, I accept your expertise in this matter. Will you not accept mine? Captain, what choice do we have? We must at least try. Retrieve the drone and jolly well secure the air sample and isolate. Retrieve drone and secure air sample in isolation. Retrieve drone and secure air sample in isolation. Smashing, chaps. Let's head for home. Tally-ho and all that rot. Head for home? It'd be different if we had a home to return to, wouldn't it? Head for Antarctica, it should be. 9,000 miles as the crow flies. Except there aren't any crows. By the time they get back, little Gree looks like she's over a year old, and a half dozen other babies are present. It's Christmas time, and it looks like Palmer Station is having a typical office party. 
Except each of the eight women know they'll be having an embarrassing end to the evening. Is everything okay, Yoshizumi? I just had an unfortunate flashback to Japan. I thought about... someone. Oh. Well, here's a necklace. Merry Christmas from Gri. From Gri. Thank her for me. Thank her yourself. What's the matter? Don't you like children? There was a time, perhaps, when I did not. I don't understand. Like the script I'm reading. Sometimes I cannot express myself very well. <clears throat> uh, Merit, I-, I believe we have an appointment. See the sign on your back saying, now serving number 223? And you have number 223. Oh, where did Yoshizumi go? <clears throat> I think he went outside. Your quarters are this way, right? Yes. Make yourself at home while I close the curtains. Not like there's anyone who usually walks around in minus 20 degree weather. Say, that's Yoshizumi, and he's building a snowman outside my window. I wonder what that means. Sometimes I cannot express myself very well. Oh, right. He must be trying to say, I love you. Oh, boy. Yoshizumi. That's Cheryl. She is one little honey. <laughs> oh, you're asleep. I tell you what, Yoshu, Zumi is sure beats the alternative, if you know what I mean. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. I'll be quieter. Shh. It's a good thing I got the top bunk, huh? So, sorry. Don't wake up from slobbering on that little map you've drawn. <laughs> that map you've drawn with... Hold on a second. You, you drew a red circle around Washington. And you study earthquakes. Uh-oh. This could mean trouble. Oops! I hate top bunks. You sent for me, Admiral Conway. Yes, Dr. Yoshizumi. Uh, would you mind explaining what the seismic map means in layman's terms? Out here is the Baltimore Canyon, where offshore drilling had recently started. In my field of earthquake prediction, I become extremely interested in this situation. That is not an earthquake-prone area. You're right, Captain Ropez. But I was concerned about what might happen when much of the oil in this area was brought out, which was done before the virus hit. The tremendous weight of the sea pressing down on it could lead to a tectonic movement of great magnitude. How is that different than the tremendous weight of the sea that is pressing down on it before the oil was taken out? Yeah, the pressure wouldn't change that much, would it? Who's the seismologist here? You. Sir, then, you need to accept my findings. Okay, what is the expected magnitude of this earth tremor if it occurs? Between 8.6 and 9 on the Richter scale. You place the epicenter at Washington, D.C.? Yes. Doctor, let me ask you, could this shock be as great as a nuclear explosion? Well, yes. I should emphasize, however, that this earthquake will occur in the eastern seaboard area, not here. When would you expect this earthquake to hit? Within a month. Major Carter? I think it's about time you told everybody what you already told me. Gentlemen, by way of explanation, Major Carter is a former staff member with the Defense Intelligence Agency. 
He acted as liaison to the Joint Chiefs of Staff. The United States has in place a retaliatory missile system called the ARS, the Automatic Reaction System. An earthquake of the magnitude indicated by Dr. Yoshizumi would trigger the ARS. How could that be? A, a year has passed since it was activated. Missiles aren't battle rockets. They require constant maintenance and most power and delivery systems can't run longer than a week before breaking down. How can it be functioning after a year? Who's the expert on military and defense? We are. You are. See? Now, the United States military was very closely coordinated with that of the United Kingdom. Captain McLeod, would you care to comment? I dare say Major Carter is jolly well correct, chaps. About a year ago in September, while on station, we on the Nereid did indeed receive the activation signal. It ruddy well bowled us over, I might add. Because we assumed there was no one left alive in Washington descended and all that rot pip-pip. I think it's imperative that you gentlemen hear some cold facts from my Soviet colleague, Captain Nevsky. The first missile to hit Russian soil will set off our entire retaliatory force. Our system was activated over a year ago. But Russian systems are even less reliable than U.S. systems. But that's not all, I'm afraid. What do you mean? The opinion was held at one time that the United States was planning the construction of a secret base here at Palmer Station. I believe that Palmer Station is targeted. What? What? But that's insane! The United States had no particular monopoly on idiots. And neither does this station. It could never happen. None of these systems could be active. It could because the movie says so. So stupid. Yoshizumi. If your earthquake can happen in Washington, then why can't our weapon systems be fully operational after a year or more? You have got me on a technicality. There is one thing we could do. Send someone to Washington to disarm this damned thing. But what about the virus? If you're right about the earthquake, what choice do we have? So, you got me again. In an effort to choose the men for the suicide mission, they fold and staple all the cards in a deck and put in two aces of spades. Then they start drawing cards. Major Carter starts to get annoyed and finally lets everyone know what's on his mind. This is stupid. Yes, this is stupid! Admiral, I'm going myself. I'll pick up the cards. It's all right, Doctor. Major Carter is correct. It must be him. He will need help. I'll go after him. Yoshizumi decides to sacrifice himself on the mission, the reasons only to be found on the cutting room floor. He follows Major Carter outside and attempts to persuade him by trying to beat him up. The scene looks like a fourth grader trying to steal an eighth grader's lunch money. Finally, when Yoshizumi gets sucked in the jaw one last time, Major Carter goes over to him. Life is wonderful. <laughs> Hey, Yoshizumi, how do you say life is wonderful in Japanese? <laughs> oh, I guess anyone stupid enough to pick a fight with me is stupid enough to come on a suicide mission. You can come. Oh, thank you. You are too kind. Gentlemen, a toast is in order. You leave early tomorrow morning. To your success. To success. How quickly the last few days have gone.
If only we could turn back the clock. How many days would it take to reach Washington? Ten days, I should jolly well say. Pip-pip and all that. What? Eight women and children will get underway with a skeleton crew. Uh, what kind of crew? The ship will be manned with only the fewest essential crew members. Not one made of skeletons. If worst comes to worst, they should still be out of range when the missiles hit. Assuming the missiles are accurate enough to hit the base. <coughs> there is no question of our missiles not hitting their target. Your double negative was both interesting and reassuring. Smashing! And what about the rest of you chaps? The rest of us will hope for the best. I volunteer for the icebreaker. Yeah, me too! Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah! Me too! Major Carter, I've been saving this bottle of scotch for a very special occasion. I really shouldn't take it, sir, and drink it by myself. But I will. <laughs> If Carter's going to get drunk tonight, you don't want to be in the same room, Yoshizumi. Here's my room. I couldn't accept. I mean, how bad could it be? It's not pretty. Seriously. Please. Thank you. I think... So, anyone want to hear a tune on a piano that is perhaps the weirdest thing ever to be shipped to Antarctica? Uh, maybe I should get some shut-eye. Here is the Admiral's room. Oh, Yoshizumi. Oh, I did not know that you and the Admiral were together. Oh, my, I'm sorry. No, the Admiral and I are not seeing each other this week. I asked the Admiral if we could be together before you left. Really? <laughs> The next morning, Major Carter and Yoshizumi climb aboard the submarine while the women in a ragtag crew of skeleton pirates climb aboard the Black Pearl and make for Tortuga. Bonjour. Hello, Doctor. Before I join the pirates, uh, I wanted to bring you boys a possible gift. Without going into the boring details, I believe, I believe, mind you, that I have developed a vaccine against the virus. But how? Well, uh, that is normally included in the boring details department. But essentially, it has to do with the intricate science of making vaccinations. Ooh. But that's not important right now. Essentially, I use the high levels of radiation introduced into a living virus cell to create a possibly effective mm. antibody. That was boring. Under these circumstances, I cannot force anyone to become a guinea pig. What the hell? The effect should be immediate. To minimize the danger to the crew, do not inject yourself until just before you leave the submarine. If it does not work, please report your symptoms. For as long as you can. We will do our best. As the submarine and icebreaker go their separate ways, Merritt watches longingly as she seems to give way to much emotional energy into missing Yoshizumi. Oh, God. Make him come back, please. Of course, this is the last time anyone will see me and Gree in this version of the film. Suddenly, out of nowhere, a huge pair of scissors spring from the sea. Its shining metal cuts the icebreaker out of the film, and it merits the skeleton crew in a possible settlement on Tierra del Fuego, flitter down to the cutting room floor. Meanwhile, a few days later on the submarine... You chaps all right? Fine, thank you. The old boy Ruddy well sleeps a lot, doesn't he, what? I too sleep a great deal. 
We were just speaking of it yesterday. We have never slept so much before. I jolly well know what you mean, Pip-Pip and all that. Oh, I thought I heard you pipping. Good morning, Captain. When do we get to Washington? Well, you've got five jolly well days more to sleep, Major. And then we're back home in time for tea and medals. That wrong? Yeah, it's still within your deadline, is it not, old bean? Yes, but earthquakes do not always occur on schedule. By Jove, I hadn't thought of that. Maybe you should try for four days, eh, Captain? Hey, Yoshizumi, you got any more surprises for us? Well, honestly, most of them were already cut from the film. Right. Uh, Speaking of which, do you think we could cut the film so four days later doesn't involve a whole lot of various underwater shots of this submarine? Sure. I have a Walkman with some music on it. I just turn it up like this. And we have four days in the future. Major Carter and Dr. Yakazumi to the command deck. Yoshizumi! Whatever. Hey, that was pretty cool. Might as well inject ourselves with the vaccine. See? Nothing to it. Your turn. There. Let's go see Washington. Right behind you, Doc. Periscope ready, sir. I say, it's Washington, D.C., chaps. Well, how about that? Not a creature is stirring. Take a look. Oh, terrible. Just terrible. Major Carter, everything you need has been launched with the life raft. Okay, we're going to be off then. Cheerio, good luck to you both and all that. Thank you, and save a couple of beers for us. Real or American? I don't care as long as they're cold. Let's get our scuba gear on. May God be with you, chaps. Tally-ho, pip-pip, and all that. After you, Shizumi, and Major Carter gear up and swim to the surface, we see them drive their motorboat through the desolation that is Washington, D.C. Actually, it's the desolation that's really in Washington, D.C., but that's not important right now. We see them walk up to the Capitol, run away from the Washington Monument, and then across the south lawn of the White House and up some steps when... What the hell? It's a tremor. Is this it? I don't think so. I hope you're right. Gotta bust through the door. The house is in the basement of the White House. Lower than that, the complex is four floors down. But isn't Washington built on a swamp? Wouldn't a room that far down be flooded by now without emergency power? Yeah, don't be talking logical again. Here's the elevator. Oh, Rook. No power. I find that hard to believe. Can it? I'm going to set some plastic explosives. You need to take cover. Okay. Wow. That goes down the wrong way. See? And no water. 
You notice something else? There are rights on in the elevator shaft. That's wild. I guess you were right. Shoot. Are you afraid of heights? Sometimes. Well, can you handle this? I must. We are running out of time. All right, let's go. Nearly there. I'm on the top. I'll just remove this grating. And we're in. Easy does it. What now? Oh, man. Another stinking door. Well, isn't this supposed to be a top-secret high-security installation? I'm surprised you were able to brass the other doors so easily, and there's only one door left. Okay, Mr. Huge Earthquake on the Eastern Seaboard. If this movie allows your stupid premise, at least allow me to have some super strong wall-busting explosive, okay? And watch as I put some on this door. And keep back. Uh-oh. Piece of the ceiling pinned me. I've fallen and I can't get up. And I've already set the charge. Major, are you okay? Oh, sure, just peachy. Other than this metal ceiling piece laying on top of me and piece of rebar through my chest, I'm just fine. Here, I'll pull it out. No! <laughs> For only having one rung, you can sure scream erupt. I'd like to see what you do at my place. Now stop worrying about me and go. Go! You must stop the R's before the big one hits. That didn't sound quite right. But I know what you mean. There it is. There's the big R's and the control panel. If I could just make it to the off switch or before the enormous earthquake triggers all the missiles. Oh, crap. Oh, what happened? How did you get here? It's amazing what you can do when you put your mind to it. Oh, no. Yes, it's too late. Major Carter, it's too late. See all the old missile launch footage on the TV screens. Soon they'll be replaced with stock footage of nuclear bomb tests. Funny how Washington will look like bikini at all. Yes. Yoshizumi, I'm going to leave now. I can hear a big pair of scissors heading for me. I'm sure it's going to cut me out of the film before I can say something witty. Something that you can take with you to the end of the picture. I know. Just not in this version. Remember, it's hard being the main character when all your main character parts were cut out. At least you still had most of yours left in. I'm pretty amazing, aren't I? I guess this is it. But I'm going to sneak it in anyway. Life is wonder- 
Oh my gosh, you cut Carter, you bastards! Yoshizumi, come in, old boy. Come in and all that rot. Submarine Nariot, this is Yoshizumi speaking. Yoshizumi, old boy, we detected launches. Over. Yes, Captain McCloud, it is over. Save yourselves if you can. Tell Palmer Station to evacuate. We tried. We tried. We all gave it a ruddy good try, Yoshizumi. I dare say we all gave it our all and all and all that rot. Pip pip. There's just one more thing. Tell Dr. Latour his vaccine seems to have worked, in case that still matters. At this point in time, that still matters, old bean. You jolly well stay where you are, I say. It just might be safe. God willing, cheerio, pip pip, and all that kind of rot. What? Well, okay. Not sure that four stories underground is the best place to be when Washington is to be leveled with a nuclear blast in less than an hour. I mean, I could still try to get to the submarine. No, you'll be much safer. Just think, in a year or two you can crawl out of that hole and you'll be right as rain, old boy. I don't think so, Captain McCloud. But not in this version, at least. Oh, right. Terribly sorry and all that. Prepare to get underway. Good luck, old bean. Cheerio. I wonder if there's food down here. What's the time? Where's the place? Why the line? Where's the race? Just in time, I see your face. And with the brilliant white-hot stock footage of nuclear bomb tests filling the screen, this glorious film is over. Everyone is dead and the virus prevails. The end! <laughs> but it's never too late to start again, Herr Doctor. That's easy for you to say. Speaking of which, I would like to say that this film also killed the careers of those involved. But sadly, that was not the case. Not even for director Kinji Fukasaku. But maybe that's just as well, as they were all able to make even more cheesy films. You said it, Herr Doctor. Yes, I did. Be sure to bid our guests a good evening and make sure they use the hand sanitizers on the way out. <laughs> the Step Alien Love Child Son of Schlock Audio Theater presented Kinji Fukusaku's Virus. Originally starring Masao Kusakari, George Kennedy, Robert Vaughn, Chuck Connors, Olivia Hussey, Edward James Olmos, Ken Ogata, Sonny Chiba, and Glenn Ford. Fermented by Richard Froelich and the Texas Radio Theater Company. Vocally interpreted by Mitch Carr, Brian Douglas, Doug Goodrich, Larry Groby, Rebecca Jordan, Brian Lockett, Tiffany Lonsdale Hands, Susan McMath Platt, Wrench Platt, Joe Porter, Ken Rainey, Donna Safran, Kelly Scott, Rick Spiegel, and Jordan Willis.